Hello guys, this is Joe Rocky. As we mentioned in our previous episode, we're going to do a little bit of a vacation here for about a month or so. So what we wanted to do in the meantime, rather than having weeks go by without any having any new episodes, what we're going to do is we're going to rebroadcast our Virtue series that we have referenced many times. So with that being said, we're going to begin the Virtue series right now with Faith. We hope that you guys enjoy it. And as always, please continue to subscribe. We are getting, especially if you're on an Apple device, please leave a review. Uh, It will greatly help us in all ways. So thank you guys very much. And again, enjoy the Virtue series. Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And Father, we're returning to our virtue series today with a discussion here on faith being today's virtue. And one of the starting points that is about the Bible is that while it tells you a lot of great things, it doesn't always put all the details in. And I think part of the reason that it does that is so that you can dive in and put yourself in their spots. You know, if you think of a modern mar- mo- modern novel today, they give you all the details about everything, their hair color, their height, what they're thinking and all of that. But whereas in the Bible, they kind of just give you the core facts of what happens. So where I want to kind of focus today is with this being on faith, what sitting down during Christmas math hit me as what might be the greatest moment of faith, but the gospels don't spend a lot of time or detail into it. And that is essentially the early marriage of Joseph and Mary. So you're, you're just entering marriage. Mary's a virgin. So you haven't had sex and you find out that she's pregnant. And no one in history before or after had ever been pregnant while being a virgin. So it's entire naturally and reasonable that Joseph would want to distance himself from that situation. And in fact, it says that was what he was in the plans of doing anyway. And ultimately he doesn't because of the faith he has in what the angels tell him against all reason and against all other prior human experience, he goes unequivocally believing in what the angel tells him. And likewise, you have the same thing with the stress of Mary. She knows all of the same facts and will this, will her husband stay with him? Will this situation unravel as they obviously have no money, even with Joseph working, given by the fact that they weren't able to be in the inn, that they they were in a manger, you know, as low as an income bracket as you could be, and they have to do all this traveling. And that's even before you get Herod going crazy and you wanted to kill all the kids. So there's a lot of stress on this early couple, and effectively the only thing holding them together is the belief in what an angel tells them. So I, I I wanted to start there as a starting point in faith because while we were at the Christmas Mass, it kind of came upon me like a rush and this seemed like the most appropriate venue to articulate it. Mm-hmm. 
Well, those are those are great thoughts, Joe, and I really appreciate, as I've said to you so many times before, and I love to hold you up as an example uh, because I think the when when we apply ourselves as you have so beautifully, I mean, you're a, you're not like me, uh, a monk who spends a lot of time reflecting on these things, who has advanced degrees in theology, who lives with other monks and has a chance to talk about these things all the time. You're an average Joe, dare I say it, who is a working man, married man, going to mass, uh, just being a faithful Catholic. And I just love the way that you engage the scriptures and that you think about our Catholic teaching, our Catholic faith, and that you raise these questions. And I love the ways that you're pondering you're seeing Mary and Joseph as they are, as historical people. They're not sort of like mythological concepts, you know. They're not the just sort of superheroes that are inaccessible to our human experience. You do a wonderful job of applying your human experience, really putting yourself in their shoes and thinking, how in the world would I handle this? What would I do in this situation? How challenging would this be? And you allow it to become real that way. As you said, there are enough details to let us do that. There are not so many details that it just does it for us. So we really have to engage the scriptures at that level in order to draw out some of that insight. And again, I just I love the way that you're doing that and really hold that up as a model for all of our listeners. It's not inaccessible to anyone. Now, the fact is, part of the virtue of faith is a matter of knowledge. And some of the ideas that you've had and that you just shared with us, Joe, are exercising your faith. You're using what God has revealed to us, which he has recorded through the evangelists and through the uh, authors of the New Testament in the scriptures, as well as the law and the prophets and the wisdom literature of the Old Testament, He's recorded these kinds of principles and insights for us. He's gathered that together in more maybe accessible or practical teaching through the Pope and the bishops, the successors of the apostles throughout the ages. And we've received that. Uh, that's a collection of knowledge. And the only proof that we have for that knowledge, proof, is that we believe. We believe that it was handed down and that we can receive from that and we put our trust in that so someone that we trust told us is a real simple way to say it and so uh now because it's about god's revelation we call that the supernatural theological virtue of faith we're trusting in god but we, we've got these kind of basic pieces to work with and then we're combining that with our human experience because the people we're reading about the people who wrote these things are all human beings. And God became truly a human being in Jesus Christ and dwelt among us. And his humanity is not different than our humanity. It's the same humanity. So our thoughts and fears and limitations, our discoveries and whatever else, all of that is, uh, you know, the same stuff that, that God was working with uh, or that uh, that the scripture 
is and uh, and Jumeri and Joseph and everybody else is working with. So you're just doing a great job of applying all of that and and reflecting on it using your virtue of faith in order to explore what the scripture is revealing to us. So uh and you're so right. I mean what what an incredible challenge we receive uh what Mary and Joseph received in those early days and and the experiences that we hear about in our Christmas readings. If you went to Mass at the Christmas Vigil, you hear, hear about the revelation to Joseph, the angel announcing to Joseph. And certainly in the previous days, we heard about the angel announcing to Mary. And they're making incredible sacrifices and taking incredible risks based on what? Based on a dream, you know, or based on this this angelic encounter that Mary has. Now, they do have some other confirmations. For example, the angel reveals to Mary that his name would be Jesus. The angel reveals to Joseph that his name would be Jesus. You know, there's some nice connections. The angel revealed to Mary that Elizabeth, her cousin, was pregnant. She had no way of knowing that. No reason to believe that since her cousin was old and barren. And yet she went to uh, the hill country of Judea and found out that, in fact, that's true. You know, so there's some confirmations. None of them constitute proofs in the scientific sense or in the mathematical sense, but some confirmations that strengthen our faith, that strengthen our belief. But they had to act on their faith in order to have those confirmations. Joseph needed to have the courage to say, hey, I just had this dream. And they, you know, who's going to say it first? I know. And I had an angel came to me and they both know that they could be ridiculed. Who believes this? you know, angels appearing to people and who believes any of that? So they both had reasons to doubt and to be afraid of the other one's doubt. And uh, all of that, you know, presents its own challenges. So for them to carry through and do what the angel told them and uh, to respond in such a faith-filled way was, yeah, an, an incredible example of faith. And the Holy Family really does that for us. They give us that incredible model of faith. Mary and Joseph give us that example of uh, a model of incredible faith. Yes, certainly. And it's, it's something that I think, like, obviously the, the, most of the gospels focus on, on Jesus as they should. So, but it's something that I think that we sit down and reflect upon it. There's, a lot of life-changing events that are going to be occurring right there. You know, you're you're dealing with obviously the birth of a child after the new formation of a marriage, and you know, it, it's believing in in that dream that that revelation that God gave to him is something that is is just awe-inspiring and. With that moment, I kind of would like to try to pivot to how that can reflect into our lives here today over 2,000 years later, because it's not like we don't have problems and things that are unbelievable that happen in our lives, but still because they're not believable or probable or you know, likely doesn't mean that they're not true and that's where faith kicks in so what i'd like to do is take a moment here to pivot 
in that direction if we could here? Yeah, how do we apply this in situations that are not as as probable, that seem a little bit fantastic? One thing that we should note, first of all, is that faith is never contrary to reason. So when I say uh, with faith, we can't prove it. At the same time, we can't disprove it. And so is it possible that a virgin conceived and, and bore a child? Well, apparently <laughs> it's possible. Joseph was looking at it. Is it probable? <laughs> Heck no. Did it ever happen before or since? Certainly not. Um, you know, is it, is it possible that an aged woman, barren, conceived? It's possible, you know, it's, uh, she, she got the right stuff for it. Is it possible that a man conceives? No, it's not possible, right? So we can, uh, we can make some distinctions. It is a, a woman at least has all the proper stuff in order to bear a child and ultimately to give birth to that child. And man doesn't have the proper stuff to do that, you know. So anyway, there are, when, when it comes to faith, it's not a matter of being able to disprove it, uh, as well as not being a matter of uh, uh, not being possible to prove it. It requires trust. You know, faith faith is a has a dimension of knowledge to it, but it's knowledge built on trust. Again, we know that at the human level, for those of you who have never gone to China, I can tell you that it exists. If you haven't been there, it's going to be hard to prove it from certainly from personal experience. But you believe me and you believe encyclopedias and you believe a whole configuration of things that says that China exists. You know, uh, we trust things that we haven't experienced or we haven't seen. And we trust in a lot of things. We trust in a lot of things at a human level. Trust that people have tested the airplane properly that we're flying in, that they've done all of the, you know, proper uh, checks and things that it's going to actually get to where it's going. We trust in, in a lot of things. And God is saying to us, trust me. That's really what faith comes down to is trusting God. Trusting God that when he gives us moral teaching, for example, uh, one that developed a lot of controversy was around contraception. And when God says, I want sexual relations between a man and a woman to be open to life, and he tells us that in a variety of ways, then when a couple is struggling, maybe they have four children, maybe it would be dangerous to get pregnant, maybe um, you know they're, they're worried about finances, maybe, now of course there's nothing requiring them to have sexual relations, but if they feel like that is uh, something they need to do, then do they trust in contraceptives or do they trust in God's plan communicated through you know, the moral life, through moral theology? And it's amazing what happens when we trust in God, when we do the right thing, even when it seems hard to believe that it's going to work out. And I know so many couples who either didn't think they could handle another child and are devastated now at the thought of not having that child. Uh, I know people that make fun of, you know, I have several friends with four, six, eight children, and people go, oh my gosh, you know, don't, can't you say no? And one of my friends turned and said to someone like that, 
which of them do you wish didn't exist? You know, it's like, so the point being that when we trust God in difficult circumstances, maybe in, in hard to imagine uh, how things will work out, it's amazing what he's able to do. It's amazing how he provides. It's, it's amazing what he creates when we trust. So taking that active faith, now we have the benefit, Joseph and Mary didn't have the benefit of, of uh, other examples to look back to. Uh, we have the benefit of, of lots of examples to look back to. The saints throughout the ages are ultimately those who have trusted and lived according to God's way, to God's plan, at great sacrifice, taking great risks, and we see the, how that played out. I think, you know, in this time of year, on December 12th, we celebrate Our Lady of Guadalupe, and this, you know, just uh, pagan, a recent convert to the faith, Juan Diego, trusted Our Lady and took a sign of, uh, of roses to the bishop of uh, of Mexico City, and when he revealed the sign of the roses, when he unfolded these roses that normally shouldn't be blooming, especially Castilian roses in the middle of winter, which is already a sign, uh, then this great sign on the tilma appeared as well, the, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe that is miraculous at so many levels, and he trusted to do that, to carry out that mission, and the result of it was the end of, of human sacrifice. There were 9 million converts over the next 10 to 20 years. And just a huge number of people became uh, Christian Catholics and, and ultimately ended the Aztec religion of human sacrifice, it, involving human sacrifice. So uh, when we trust in these little things, it's amazing what God can do through them. And so we look to the to the saints for that. We look to the scriptures for that. We have, and and we look to each other for that too. I bet every one of our listeners has somebody in their life that they have seen exercise amazing faith on one occasion or another, and really placed their trust in God, and then also were able to see Him come through in some amazing ways. Yeah, I like how how you put it there with it being about trust ultimately because this gets back to one of the themes that we've been going through through if not all of the casts we've ever done but certainly in in the recent ones is that it all comes back to relationship and in this case relationship with god and i've never really had faith explained as just trusting god but when you said that it's like yeah that's pretty much how it's always been described to me. Just no one ever put it succinctly like that, that just pure trust in, in someone that you believe in your friends. Cause you can look around the rest of your life. You know, you gave a lot of examples there, you know, you trust that the, uh, the time in your phone is actually the time. So you get to your appointment at the right time. You know, you, you don't, you don't actually, know what your friends are doing 24 seven cause you're not with them all the time. But you know, when they say they go to work, you trust that they go to work, you know, and stuff like that. And to open that up and actually think about how much we do it in everyday life goes with what we were talking with all the other virtues, 
the more that you do it on a human level or on on a what you call it a supernatural with God level, the easier it becomes. It's muscles that keep growing, and you know I think that there's a lot to it, uh, and, and the ability to just trust others and have faith that people are going to do what they say. Now the converse to that is we all see with individuals that there have been times we let down. You know that you believe someone would do something they said they would, and it didn't happen, and that builds up a a callous, if you will, a, a not wanting to do it. And everyone's experienced that, at least in some capacity in their life. Some people um, see it a lot more often with a lot bigger items, and some people, thankfully, don't see it with with grave situations. But what I wanted to do is, since that's the reality of our life as well, we trust people, we have faith in people, and it doesn't always work out, to talk about that, because this is with God, who doesn't turn off the love. He doesn't know how to do it. Well, he doesn't know how to do it. He just doesn't do it. So with that being said, I wanted to, as we're wrapping towards the end of the cast, talk about that part, about why we shouldn't fear God and why we should always have faith in him and trust in him to do as he says he will. I like how you said that. God doesn't turn off the love. He never turns off the love. And and if we look at our human experiences of trust, who do we trust? The people who have loved us first, right? I mean, when we've had loving parents, uh, we learn to trust our parents from a very early age. We see how they provide for us. We see how faithful they are to us. We see that they don't lie to us. And the things that they tell us are ultimately for our good. Sometimes we don't even think that they are for our good. I remember... When I was in high school, my mother told me to be a counselor at this camp uh, near our house, and I resisted it. I just had no interest. Really, I had some fear. I'm a fairly introverted person. I had some fear about being with new people and feeling insecure, but I wasn't even in touch with all of that. I couldn't have told you what was going on, and ultimately, my mother just said, you're just going to do it, and trust me, and, uh, and I, I did it because I trusted her. And it was amazing. And I, I went back for a second time because I liked it so much. You know? And then I learned in that experience, there are times that my emotions are screaming and are not helpful for me. And my mother was more reasonable and actually knew me and loved me and I could trust her. So we learned that with God too. When our emotions are screaming and I don't want to do this and I'm afraid of this and I don't... I don't believe and it's so hard and whatever that, that I'm, uh, my faith is asking me to do, that the moral life of the church is asking me to do, that I believe God internally is asking me to do, and I trust him, and I see that it works out, then I trust him more. That's the way that that works. And I, I like that you repeated what I've said a number of times, Joe, that virtues are like muscles. The more you use them, the stronger they get. And it's a kind of simple concept, but it's really true. And that's the other thing about faith and trust is we are more likely to trust when we recognize the truth, when we recognize the pattern, when we recognize uh, that it corresponds with our experience. Now, sometimes we have to try it first, and then we see it corresponds 
with our experience and it makes sense and we're willing to try it again and do it more and uh, and so on and so forth. So um, yeah, we can we can really bring that into our daily lives by doing it. And God is wonderful in just giving us little things to start with and building things up little by little. And as we develop a relationship with him, we get to the point that we can say, gosh, Lord, it's just really hard. I don't know how I can do that. And, you know, in the worst case, we're like Zechariah and we say, how can I know this? You know, I have a hard time trusting you, says Zechariah, that my wife, old and barren, is going to bear a child. How am I supposed to know this? And God gives a remedy to Zechariah. He says, well, why don't you just shut up and think about it? And he's mute for nine months. <laughs> so that's, uh, you know, God, God knows us individually and he works with us to help build our trust in him. And then ultimately when we're able to trust him, it's powerful because that's what we see in the saints. They do things that no matter how many SWOT analyses you did, no matter how many marketing consulting firms you got, no matter uh, what expert human experts you consulted with, you'd never get where the Lord leads us. You know, no, no evangelization strategy of, of South America would have come up with Our Lady of Guadalupe. <laughs> no, no strategy would have come up with that. And no strategy would have even dreamed of 9 million converts in 10 years as a result of that. So that's where God can lead us to amazing things when we learn to trust him. He can empower us to do amazing things when we really place our trust in him. Yeah, it's it's something that's remarkable in that regards. And um, yeah, it, it's just there. You know, it, it, as you mentioned there, it's when you identify the patterns, it becomes easier for people to to have faith. And that in itself is a skill to be able to objectively figure out patterns and in other individuals, you know. And uh, I think that there's parts of this that is just so genuine because God doesn't change. You know, he's not going to be one way on Monday and a different way on Sunday. You know, he's the same throughout. So, as and the ticket to is the virtues. I mean, that's why we're doing the series on it is that's how you deepen your relation with him. So as we're concluding this cast here today, father, I wanted to see if you have any final thoughts that you want to provide us with here. Um, that'll take us concluding this episode on faith as well as taking us forward into next week. Well, I would just invite our listeners to take a little time in silence with God in prayer and try to listen. What's he asking of you? Where is he leading you? What's he saying to you? And then try it. Make an act of trust. Make an act of faith. Believe. He's real. And he loves you. And if we all do that, oh, the things that God would do with this world, if we were all listening and responsive to what he's asking. So he really is speaking to us. We can really hear him and we can really carry out his will in this radical way. So just uh, that a little encouragement as we are wrapping up the Christmas season, which goes until January 13th this year. Well, uh, that'll be 2019, January 13th, 2019. And, uh, 
And the, the Christmas season is a special season of quiet and faith. So take advantage of these last few days. Make a little quiet time. Open your heart. Say to the Lord, talk to me. I'm listening. And then try to carry out what he asks. You know, you mentioned that the Christmas season is a quiet time. And so often you don't think of that. You see with kids running around going crazy with the trees. <laughs> but when you think of it in practical terms, when you have a newborn, you are going to be quiet. Just to hope that the baby sleeps better and makes it calm for everyone. And I think that little notions like that can bring you closer to uh, the revelation. How is it when you are around the child? You be quiet and you listen, just instinctually. There's nothing else you can do about it. And uh, I think those are great, great thoughts here. And we thank everyone for listening, and we'll be with you here again next week.